0: Hey, it's the Weather Channel Podcast. I'm Ari Sarsalari. I'm a meteorologist here at the Weather Channel. And today we're going to talk about nuclear war. Uh, That is something that, you know, very often we don't talk about in association with weather. But there's actually been some research done. And there was recently a really good blog post written on weatherunderground.com on the Cat6 blog by Dr. Jeff Masters about what could happen if, say, for instance, India and Pakistan had a, you know, nuclear war with just, you know, some warheads uh, being detonated. So, uh, you know, first of all, Dr. Masters, thanks a lot for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hey, happy to be here, Ari. (laughs) All right. So, you know, when I dug into this article, I found it really, really fascinating. First of all, I actually... Maybe I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I, I I guess I'm not up on the news in that area as much as I should have been. Like Maybe you can give us just a little bit of background as to what the situation with India and Pakistan is right now. And by the way, for the listeners, we're not going to get into like the politics of this. We're just going to talk about um, how it could affect the weather. But I just want to get a little background. India and Pakistan
1: both have 160 or so nuclear warheads, and they have been having military conflicts for over 30 years about a disputed border region called Kashmir. So it's thought that these two nations represent currently the greatest threat of having nuclear war on the planet.
0: So what would happen then if we did have a nuclear war? And, I, you know, when I was reading through the article, we're talking about a situation where 50 warheads on each side were detonated, right? And that's, you know, not even half of as many as each country has. So maybe we can get into the details of that a little bit.
1: So, right, if they blew off, say, 50 warheads each, these are Hiroshima-sized warheads, And if they aimed them at cities, then the burning cities would emit a huge amount of carbon into the atmosphere that would then waft up into the stratosphere and block sunlight. And the modeling that these studies have done on nuclear winter show that you'd block enough sunlight to cause a drop in global temperatures of a couple degrees. And that drop would last for years, maybe five or 10 years. So it would uh, cause... Famine because you'd be reducing your crop yields. And it would also cause destruction of the ozone layer, which would allow more ultraviolet light in to affect the surface.
0: So, what I'm reading here is that the article says, you know, that limited nuclear war that we were just talking about, you know, it could kill 2 billion people. And then you're also talking about wars and diseases that could break out that could also kill hundreds of millions of more people. You know, how. You know, how would diseases spread here? Is, is all this basically just because the sunlight would be blocked and things would be cooler?
1: Yeah, we've got a model for this. Back in 1815, there was a huge volcanic eruption in Indonesia, Mount Tambora. And the year after that, there was so much cooling in the climate because of the reduction of sunlight. We had what we called a year without a summer. You had killing frost in the summer in New England. You had a global reduction of crop yields of something like 20%. And you caused mass famine in large parts of the world. And the thought is that in the current world, that famine would extend to, you know, parts of the world where we don't have very many people with uh, enough resources to survive. And you would inevitably cause war and potentially uh, killing two billion people. And, you know, with that, you would also have uh, epidemics and uh, disease that would break out. And, You know, cause further trouble. So uh, not an attractive situation at all.
0: No, it's not. And I know that you probably perused around a lot when you were writing this article. Have you found any other research apart from uh, these couple of papers that were written in the 2000s?
1: Yeah, I mean, this research builds upon research that was done back in the 1990s. The famed Dr. Carl Sagan, the host of the Cosmos series, he wrote some papers about nuclear winter talking about a, a more global nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia, where thousands of warheads would be launched. In that case, they found that the temperatures on the planet would drop by something like 40 degrees Fahrenheit for several months. And the nuclear winter that would result would kill, you know, many billions of people, far more than a, a limited nuclear war. And the results would last for decades afterwards. It wouldn't recover Uh, for that long.
0: So I noticed a lot of this research is done based on modeling, Um, you know, kind of idealistic situations and, you know, the models kind of put in a lot of data and they spit out what could possibly happen. Has there ever been actually any research done on either, I know there's been a lot of nuclear testing that has gone on. I've seen a lot of videos of these nukes being blown up in, you know, remote parts of Russia or something like that. And you know that that stuff's going on all the time. You know that there have been nuclear bombs that have been used in war in Japan in World War II. Uh, Has there ever been any research done on how that stuff has actually affected the weather or not?
1: Yeah, they've studied those things and they actually have not affected the weather because in order to affect the weather, you've got to drop the bomb on a city and you've got to get the wood in the city to combust and throw all this smoke into the atmosphere just doing a plain old test in, say, an atoll in the Pacific isn't going to cause a climate impacting effect.
0: What about uh, firestorms? That was actually another thing that I was kind of interested in when I was reading through this article because it's something that I actually was not very familiar with. But, uh, you know, as I read it here, it says approximately 140 warheads each um, that they have. Okay, actually, I'll go on to the next part. These urban explosions were assumed to start 100 firestorms. So basically... Each one, when you're assuming that each side drops 50 warheads, that would mean that uh, each of them causes a firestorm?
1: Yeah, a firestorm is a very intense fire that sucks in a lot of air from all around and kind of reinforces itself. And that's what causes the mass burning of a city and, and throws so much smoke in the air. We've seen examples of firestorms in the past. Back in uh, 1945, the Allies bombed Germany, the city of Dresden. It caused a firestorm there that destroyed the whole city. And they have done some studies of those firestorms during World War II to determine if they had climate-causing impacts. And it was inconclusive. They thought that probably it did, but our models weren't good enough quite to be able to detect the effect.
0: You know, I'll tell you with all this kind of stuff going on in different parts of the world, you know a lot of people have been amassing, you know, nukes for a while. It does get a little bit scary to think about, Um, you know. The other question I had was, in order to start a firestorm, it actually has to hit a city, correct? Yeah, if you just drop a bomb over the water, it's not going to do it. Right, exactly, okay. Well, I was reading something in there about how it's like this self-feeding fire, and I didn't know if it was just like somehow the bomb itself. Like if you dropped it on land, I would say, but not the ocean, but not... Uh, in a city, you know what I'm saying? Could that cause a firestorm, or does it have to be like where there's wood to burn? And I mean, could it, could you drop it in the forest and have a firestorm?
1: Yeah, certainly you could have a firestorm where wherever you have a large, dense amount of burnable stuff, you could create a firestorm.
0: Okay. Did you come across anything that you didn't expect when you were writing this blog?
1: That's a good question. Uh, it was one of the cool things that came out of the the research that was done back in the nineteen nineties it was a it was widely credited with reducing the stockpiles of nuclear weapons. Once the U.S. and Russia saw that if we go into a full scale nuclear war, it's not only going to destroy the cities that the bombs are dropped in, but the whole planet that really gave uh, a lot of impetus towards uh, the the peace process and some of the start treaties that reduced our nuclear weapons. So, here's an example of science informing politics and causing a positive change.
0: So, once again to kind of recap everything, let's just be very straight about this. So, there was, you know, research done if let's say India and Pakistan had a nuclear war where each one each side dropped 50 warheads, The aftermath would be extremely catastrophic, and basically it would kill probably close to 2 billion people on the Earth, correct?
1: That's right, and that's just through the firestorms. You're also going to lose a big part of the ozone layer, which is going to bring in a lot of ultraviolet light, which will kill more crops and potentially blind people because— their eyes will be subjected to UV light. So a lot of other effects, too, probably are going to happen.
0: We should do more of these soon, and I think we're going to. You said you had a couple ideas coming up in the next few weeks. Hey, if you haven't listened to this one, by the way, this was, gosh, a couple of months ago that we shot this. It's a podcast. You can find it on podcast.weather.com or, you know, any of the podcast apps that you use. But I think it's entitled, what did we call it, Hugo, We Have a Problem. Dr. Masters used to be a meteorologist on the... uh, hurricane hunters back in the day and he was on a crew that went into hurricane hugo and it got pretty ugly and i thought that was one of the best stories i've ever heard yeah that was something else all right um dr masters thanks a lot for hanging out with us uh we'll see you next time all right okay ari